everyone. I'm Margie Alanis, and this is Farm Her Talks. These are thoughtful conversations to connect and inspire the farm her in all of us. And this episode is sponsored by FMC. I am so excited today to be talking with Kathy Shelton. So Kathy, welcome to Farm Her Talks. Oh, I'm so excited to be here today. Wonderful. Okay, so Kathy, let's uh, jump into a little bit about who you are. So do you have a background in agriculture or uh, any connection to agriculture personally? Well, I always have loved agriculture, but officially I began my career in agriculture when I joined uh, the DuPont Crop Protection Business in 2014. And I've always been a scientist and I brought the scientific background that I've had uh, to this job. And now I'm the chief science and technology officer of FMC, which is solely an agricultural sciences company. Okay. Awesome. So you're knee deep in it now, right? Uh, so let, let's take Absolutely. it back a little bit. You're a scientist. Uh, what was it? Uh, was there a point in your life where you remember that you became interested in science? Was, was there something that happened or maybe a person or, or some thing that uh, you kind of said, this is the way I'm going to go with my life? I think my earliest interest and maybe passion in science began because my father was a scientist and he would bring home and talk about the work that he did, um, which always fascinated me. I loved the idea that you might learn something new that nobody else in the world might know. And for that little bit of time, you're the only person that has created that knowledge and understanding. So that's something that's really driven me um, and my passion for why I think science is so much fun to do and why I keep coming back to it every day. Yeah, I that, I love that. I've never heard it described quite like that, but that makes me like it sounds like something exciting to me as well. I love that. So, in order to pursue uh, that field of interest, what did your schooling look like? Can you tell me a little bit about your journey there? Well, I started off um, not really sure how I was going to use my scientific interest. You know, as mm-hmm. probably many people do, I thought about whether I wanted to go into medicine whether I wanted to teach at a university or whether I wanted to be a scientist at the bench. And I finished college. And the first thing I did was I became a high school chemistry teacher Mm -hmm. because I really wanted to see whether or not teaching was something that would be my passion. And it was a great year. You know, you can imagine one year out of college and you're teaching, uh, it was an all girls school. So I was teaching women of the ages from 14 to 17 And after a year of teaching science in high school, I said, you know what, this is not my passion. I think I want to go on and get um, a graduate degree. So I went back to school and ended up getting my PhD in microbiology and immunology in Philadelphia at um, Hahnemann University, which is now uh, part of Drexel University. And I continued um, staying in the sciences, staying in the deep sciences and, and working in really the medicine area by going to University of Pennsylvania and doing a postdoc at, in their School of Medicine. But about that time, I started realizing that being a bench scientist or working at the bench and running experiments every day mm-hmm. also wasn't really my passion or calling. Yeah. I think there was a too long of a disconnect between what we were doing at the bench and the impact that it might have sometime in the world. So from there, um, I went and I joined the um, Environmental Protection Agency. I applied my science to help people understand 
what safe levels or acceptable levels in soil and water could be that people might be exposed to. Um, and then I joined DuPont and I had a very various and broad career, but always centered in science. Yeah. I, um, I, I love this journey and I think it's interesting, uh, the, the EPA and then into the private industry, um, was that a, a big shift for you? Like, I mean, working in the government and then going private, I, I would have to imagine it is. So when you work for the government, you really do feel as though you have a stewardship role, a role that you are holding in order to assure and, and align with people to say, what we're doing is to help keep you safe or to help to assure that we have the lowest risks associated with these chemicals. Yeah. When you go into the private sector, you think about it the same way, but you focus your efforts very much on how you can achieve that on behalf of your company. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'll say about DuPont is that they have always taken this approach that they wanted to reach the highest level of achievement around reducing um, the exposure, reducing the materials in the soil and water from their, from their older or their um, plants that they had shut down. So it was a great place to work because they believe so deeply in assuring that safety and spending the money and really putting that for first as one of their priorities. Yeah, I, I think what an interesting journey. Um, and, and OK, so once you found yourself at DuPont and you've had a long career there as it shifted uh, to become FMC at some point, can you tell me a little bit? I always think this is so interesting, right? Like, um for, for anybody listening who's kind of going, I love science, but I don't know exactly how I'm going to apply it. Or how does it go from point A to point B to point C to, to where you're at, Kathy? So can you talk a little bit about your journey once you were at DuPont and, and kind of how that looked? You know, absolutely. And I think there's a couple of things that have always defined my career. And I think whether you're a scientist or whether you have a different discipline, I think they also apply. So the first one is, you know, your work career is absolutely going to be a journey. And you have to think about it, not necessarily with a destination in mind, but really enjoying the journey that you're going to go through. And, and I think that's what makes the whole aspect of what, what comes next as, as an adventure. Um, but one of the things that I would say has always been a hallmark of, of my personality and what I try to achieve is I'm very curious. And so as I would learn something new, this would really excite me that I was in a new area, that I was broadening my perspective, that I was bringing maybe some experience from the past job that I'd had and into a new role. The other, um, the other part of, of what I think I, I would say really drove me is that I learned that I really enjoyed being a manager, mm -hmm. so leading a team and having that whole idea that you have multiple people with a diverse set of skills that you can bring together in a way to really solve a challenging problem. And again, those problems can be in science, those problems can be in finance, those problems can be in so many areas. But I think those are the two characteristics that's really driven me to, to have a lot of different options and also to enjoy a lot of different experiences. Yeah. And that's, that's so important um, because it, it is this journey, right? And, and I love what you said about, uh, you know, 
thinking about it in a way that you can enjoy it and that you can be curious about it and then you can explore with it. Because I have to say, like when I jumped into my corporate career, I looked at it like I looked at it more robotically, like here's what I'm going to do, A, B, C, D, and I'm going to get to this point, you know, and I can't say that I enjoyed it or had longevity in it because probably a lot of the way that I focused on it. So I love how you defined that. Um, Okay, so up next, we're going to be talking about mentor relationships. Okay, so Kathy, I know that uh, in, in the past when we've talked, that the relationships that you've had have played a significant role in pushing you forward in moving up, I guess I'll call it that ladder, right? Uh, because you are, you, you, you sit at the top, you're the chief technology officer um, in, in this organization. And so um, you lead a, a large team, a diverse team, um, and you guys do a lot of really amazing uh, I'm just going to call it like high tech work. High tech might not be the right word, but but from my standpoint, it's um, uh, you know specialized and really quite amazing. And so, um, let's talk a little bit about your path through that. Have you had mentors? Have you had people that pushed you to move to that next level? I think all of us, um, if we're fortunate in our careers, you know, will find mentors, or mentors will find us. Um, because there are people, um, who as part of their personality, as part of their leadership style, see a spark in someone and want to see that spark, uh, broaden and grow. So I have been very fortunate to have um, a few mentors who not only believed in me, but also pushed me to say, you can work at that next level. And I believe that you have the abilities and the experience to move on. Um, I would also say that I've used mentors when I didn't have a skill set and I really thought that I needed to learn something. I would look around almost like a little bit of a scouting exercise and I would find somebody that I thought did this particular skill really well. And whether I knew them or not, I would call them up or I'd email them and I'd say, you know, would you like to spend some time with me with coffee or just a short conversation? And, you know, people love talking about what they do. Um, and anytime you tell someone that you admire something that they've done, they're very helpful to share that. So I've had mentors that I think really helped me broaden my career. And I've had mentors who've really helped me on a very personal level, um, helping me to grow individually as well. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, though, people put a little too much pressure on themselves to to have this robust mentor relationship. Right. And I think sometimes a mentor can be somebody you just meet with twice or they share something important to you that you take forward. So while I've had great experiences, I'd say they're very varied in how much time and how long they've, they've, uh, they've lasted. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like a formal and informal, there's different ways of looking at it. And, and I'm a hundred percent with you. I sat on a panel recently, uh, talking about women and mentorship. And it's something that I can't say I've ever had like a formal mentor, like someone who I was like, will you mentor me? You know, because I don't even know what to do with that. And honestly, I've had some young women come to me and ask to be a mentor and, and I don't even know what to do with that. But I love the idea of reaching out to somebody because of a skill set that they have or something that you want to learn from them. 
I mean, that's to me a much more organic way of, of going about it. And one other thing that I think was interesting, and if you have any, any thoughts around this, I'd love to hear it that came up on this panel was, um, you know, mentor relationships, like we tend to think of them as a kind of a one-way street, right? Like the, the mentee gains from the mentor, but, um, somebody on the panel was talking about a mentor they had that it, uh, she didn't realize how much she had lent to her mentor, uh, because he was an older gentleman who wasn't, um, you know, adept at social media. And so he kind of leaned on her for that. And she was like, you know, it became this really two way street that, and I was like, you know, that's a really good way to think about mental relationships. I think, uh, that in, in its definition is a relationship, right? So also what can you give to that person that, that you're leaning on? Absolutely. That would be the highest benefit you can get, right? When there's that mutual benefit and both of you are learning from each other. And, you know, normally, or maybe often, people will seek out mentors when they're earlier or more junior in their career. Because at that point, they are trying to make a lot of decisions or at least explore different paths. And I'll say that when I sit down with people who have just joined the company or maybe have a couple years, I absolutely learn from them. Mm -hmm. First of all, their perspective on life is of course, very different from mine. And I really want to know what is motivating them to come to work and to stay at work and be part of FMC because that talent we need to nurture and grow. And when we're extremely fortunate that we have talented people who come to work there. So there's a component of really understanding their perspective, which always helps me broaden mine. Um, but there's also a piece of, of what I want to say is I want people to know that you're a really valuable asset. And my time in helping you is, is a small part of what we should be applying to allow people to realize how much value they bring to a company. Yeah, for sure. Um, knowing that is definitely a huge, a huge factor in having longevity there. Um, so I, I have to assume that um, you, you believe in yourself uh, at some level that is um, has been an important factor in you moving forward, moving up the ladder, progressing in your career. Um, but have you had other encouragers along the way? And if so, where have those people come from? Are they are they work encouragers? Are they home? Uh, a mix of everything? First of all, I just want to say how extremely fortunate I am to have a husband who has believed in me from the day he first understood what a scientist does. And Together, we've, we've uh, had and raised three children. And as he often says, he is my biggest supporter. And that support extends to my professional life as well as my personal life and, and our role as parents. So without him, I could not be where I am today. Um, I'm also very fortunate that my extended family is one that is very supportive of what I've done. Mm -hmm. And um, I took one job where the manager said to me, okay, at any moment, you might have to get on a plane and go to Japan. You may not have even 24 hours notice um, before you have to be there. And at that point, I had three very small children at home. Yeah. And I remember calling my mother and saying, I might have to get on a plane and go to Japan at, with less than 24 hours. And she said, honey, you tell me when you're getting on that plane and I will be at your house. Oh, I love that. And I never had to get on a plane and go to Japan with less than 24 hours notice. Just knowing that there was somebody there who, who was willing and happy to help me if I needed it uh, made all the difference. Yeah, I, uh, 
that is one of the hugest things. I talk about that a lot. And and whether it's a spouse or somebody who's regularly in your life, I I do believe that that's one huge factor to women succeeding is having a cheerleader because I have a husband who's the same way, right? And he, he helps pave the way so that I can run after the things that I want to run after. And without that, like, let's be honest, I wouldn't be running after it. And so uh, whether that's a mix of uh, a spouse, a partner, a mother, uh, you name it, like those things matter. You know, you just reminded me, when my daughter, my my first child was um, seven weeks old, I went to London and it wasn't like a they didn't give me just 24 hours notice. Like I willingly was like, I'll go because I was really trying to to show like I'm still here. I'm showing up. I'm going to work. And when the opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, I'll go. Oh, my gosh. What, a, what a, <laughs> if I could change one thing about her being a baby in that period of time, I wouldn't have like jumped on a plane and, and exhausted myself and like carried like a, you know, a milk pump on <laughs> the plane. But it having those people at home makes it so much uh, easier, at least knowing if you had to jump on that plane. So I love that story. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the hats you wear. You just talked about um, your daughters, right? So in in this next part, I want to talk about the different hats we wear. And, um, you know, what, aside from the cheerleaders that you had at home, what was it in your career uh, within the walls of the organization that you work at uh, that made it doable for you to wear all those different hats? I believe that the reason... I was able to contribute what I, what I did and be even recognized for how much I could bring and do was the flexible work practices that DuPont has and continues to have. And it enabled me to choose how I wanted to spend my time and where I wanted to spend my time. Now, there is no perfect world. Um, and I'm not going to pretend that there aren't days where you have one hat on and you really feel like maybe you should have be wearing the other one at the same time or, or instead of it. But I was able to make choices about where I wanted to be and, and how long I wanted to be there. And so for 10 years, um, I did work part-time and that gave me the opportunity to be with my children when they were very small. And when they became, became older and they all went to school, I, I rejoined the workforce full-time and it was never a downside. Uh, people accepted uh, the work practices, the flexibility that I had, and worked around it without ever questioning where I was or why I wasn't someplace. And so that, to me, is the biggest reason that I was able to really go further in my career during that time when you really are almost fully consumed with, with, what, is, with what home is and, and all, the, all the different areas in which you want to contribute and be part of your children's lives. Yeah, because here's the reality, whether, you know, heading into having children, you think, oh, I can do all this. And, and yeah, you can, but yeah, you're right. Some of those hats are going to have to shift and change. And, and even though you think, well, like, this is just the way I'm going to do it. Like, you know, human nature kicks in. And so we do have to figure out a way to, to juggle those. Uh, Because in my, in my instance, there was not flexibility and there was nobody else who'd paved a path for that flexibility where I was and where I'd chosen to spend a decade over a decade of, of career. And so 
I just felt like I had to jump off the bus. Like that was, it, it felt very black and white for me. So uh, what I hear you saying is, is having a workplace with flexibility and some gray area and how you navigate that can make it extremely uh, uh, much easier to navigate. So I, I love that. Um, okay. So talking about women in STEM, I, I, I looked up uh, a statistic that 28% of jobs in the STEM field, so science, technology, engineering, and math, I think I got that right, are uh, are filled by women. So obviously it is uh, still a, a male-dominated field. In, in a panel I was on the other day, I heard that 15% of jobs in the financial services industry are filled by women. So obviously STEM, you guys are, you're, you're nailing it as far as having more women engaged. Uh, but but um, it's obviously not like a 50-50 situation. So let's talk a little bit about how women on your team are succeeding in STEM in your organization. What, what is it that you're seeing? Well, first of all, I, I think one of the challenges that we have, and, and hopefully it won't last much longer, is the lack of role models that we have in STEM um, for women. And I was speaking to a woman the other day and um, she was an electrical engineer. And I said, you know, it's really unusual for women to be electrical engineers. It's the least popular um, area of engineering that women choose. And she laughed and she said, oh, you know, it was the dean of the school that talked me into being an electrical engineer. And, and, and I often think that in order for people to get into STEM, and there's very few of us that get there all alone. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's because someone has encouraged us, whether it's in grade school, high school, you know, any point in our, in our education, there has to be somebody who has helped nurture that interest. Because I don't think, again, without a lot of role models, it's not natural for us to always see ourselves in these roles. So the women that I see today, um, oh my gosh, they're so smart, so passionate. And, and, and the other piece I want to say is they're so articulate on what they want to achieve in their careers and how they're bringing science to solve some really challenging problems. And they do it all with a modesty that almost underpins how great a job they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate for the women that we have on our team and, um, we look constantly for great talent, uh, and, you know, my hope is that as we continue on this journey, more women will see themselves in these careers and, and elect to join them because they really are extremely fulfilling um, career choices. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a longstanding belief of mine, and, and part of that comes from my experience in the corporate world, that if you can see it, it makes it far much Far, far easier to do it, right? Like if you can see somebody yeah. in that role and you can you can make sense of how they've navigated through that role, then you're like, yeah, yeah, I could do this, you know? And I honestly didn't, didn't see anybody uh, where I wanted to go. And I think that was a huge detriment um, because that's just the way that my brain works. And that's a huge uh, piece of Farm Her, right? Like we want to show you what people are doing. We want to talk about it. We want to make these people very visible so that you know that you are not alone out there, that, that, that there is a path for you to go on. Um, so I love that. And, and on the modesty piece, I mean, uh, whether it's women in science, engineering, technology, math, or women who are in the, the tractor seat or uh, you know, sitting behind a desk somewhere in agriculture, that modesty, it, it, it's an underpinning of all of them. And uh, it's 
admirable, but here's what I also want to say is um, without other people seeing and hearing about what you're doing, then then it's not going to continue to change, right? So uh, I know we all have that modesty. We call it Iowa nice here in Iowa, right? Like we don't we don't want to brag. We don't we don't want to necessarily be that person, but but be that person that other people can see what you're doing because whether you think they are or aren't, somebody's watching what you're doing. Somebody's paying attention to what you're doing. Somebody's, uh, you know, maybe gaining some self-esteem or some confidence or some knowledge from what you're doing, you know, no matter who you are. And so uh, that's that's an important role that we all sit in, you know, and I think it's really important. So I, I'm glad you touched on that. I agree. And I think um, it is hard for us to, to be... Um, it is hard for us to self-promote. It, it just, it, it's a challenge. But when people see someone who really enjoys their job, I think that also lends itself to people wanting, as you say, to be like that, to see a way to have a role or a career or, or a job or a position that people really enjoy and feel fulfilled by. Yeah. Very, very important. Well, Kathy, uh, I want to say thank you for being one of those role models. You sit at the top of a team uh, that includes, I'm sure, many women who look up to you. And I, I know that there's going to be people, people listening to this podcast as well that uh, will gain some knowledge and confidence and uh, something from this. So thank you for, for pursuing forward, putting on all of those hats and uh, sitting where you sit. I, I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, so thanks for being here on Farm Her Talks. It was really my pleasure. And my hope is that maybe we've inspired a, a few people who may not have believed it in themselves by hearing this conversation who will take that chance and take that opportunity to step into STEM and, and find this fulfillment that I believe is there for so many of us. Uh, that That's a wonderful comment. I love that. So one last question for you. Uh, are you on LinkedIn or somewhere where if somebody is a professional in this field and they want to connect with you that they could? I am. I am on LinkedIn. So it's Kathleen. Shelton. Of course, you can find me at FMC. And I would encourage people to send me a message so that I can really get to know you. Of course, I'm happy to accept all the connections that people offer, but it's always really an additional benefit if people send me a quick note, tell me what resonated with them. How can I help you? Uh, What would you like to be connected to? So feel free to reach out and I'd be more than happy to connect with folks uh, who are listening here today. Thank you so much, Kathy. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to join us soon for another thoughtful conversations right here on Farm Her Talks.